Welcome to the State of the Lakers on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out on a Sunday night. Your Los Angeles Lakers are 5-2 and two in their last seven games, starting to look a lot more like the team that they that we hoped they would be. we got to wait for the numbers to update, but my guess is that they will be top 10 in both offense and defense over that span. Um, not a perfect seven-game stretch. A couple of ugly losses in there, but we got to take our wins where we can get them, Raj. Right? How you doing, man? How's your weekend been so far? It's been good. Yeah, we're not really in a position to be picky about wins, right? Like this is a five, uh, close to 500 team, but it was nice to just to get another blowout win. I know you missed the last one, uh, but yeah, this was a much better win. And it's good to have one that felt like it was a win throughout. Like Orlando made a run in the fourth and those kind of things happened. But yeah, it was a good win. It was a fun win, at least. I don't know about good win with how the Orlando Magic's record is. But how are you, man? Welcome uh, back. I guess you missed the last one. Uh, good to have you back. You guys did a great job holding it down while I was gone. Special shout out to Vinay. I always appreciate that he's available to help us when one of us has to stop for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I'm excited. You're right. We can't be picky about this at all whatsoever. I, after the, you know, I was extremely critical of LeBron and AD to start this season because while they had some excuses, like LeBron had some availability issues and Anthony Davis's jump shot, like that's a little bit out of his control. I can't get super upset about at him that shots that he used to make are suddenly not going in. But I was mad about process with both of them. Anthony Davis was taking a lot of really difficult jump shots. He wasn't being as aggressive in the post to get into the lane. He would float in and out of games defensively. His motor wasn't what it was in previous season. And then LeBron, even if you gave him an excuse for conditioning, even if you gave him an excuse for trying to get his legs underneath him, he wasn't as engaged as he should have been given the situation. And if you guys remember, after that triple overtime loss to the Kings, Raj and I both just went in on those guys for just not being good enough. And if you remember, after the game, LeBron in his postgame interview said, I have to find a way to be better for this team. And we talked about in the next pod that we thought that was the first time LeBron really vocalized you know, the word I used was contrite. Maybe that's the wrong word, but like he just finally seemed to get it that what those guys were bringing to the table wasn't enough, that if their intent was for the Russell Westbrook trade to make it so that they could coast, that clearly wasn't materializing. They weren't going to be able to coast. So it got to the point where those two guys had to take on the responsibility and the accountability necessary to to get the ship headed in the right direction. And they had a really ugly game against Detroit, if you guys remember. But in that ugly game, it was ugly outside of LeBron and AD. LeBron and AD were both fantastic. And over the course of that next seven games, look, they were a bad team. It was never going to get fixed overnight. And Anthony Davis still has a ways to go to get to where he needs to be. But again, one, they played three over 500 teams in that stretch. They did beat one of them. They nearly beat another in that Clippers game. They had a chance to win that one late. And then they went. 4-0 against the below 500 teams, which is good because they have already lost seven games this season against below 500 teams. So we're trending in the right direction. But to me, it all starts and ends with LeBron and AD. And so far, LeBron has been able to get back to mostly what he was at his peak in this LeBron AD era. Once Le- once AD kind of gets back to that level, then we'll really be cooking with gas. But to me, you know, you, we looked at that game, that triple overtime loss to the Kings as a potential turning point. And so far it appears that it might have been long way to go. Obviously not a perfect stretch of games, but we're headed in the right direction. Do you agree with me, Raj? 
Yeah, for sure. And we keep saying like this team has kind of lost the benefit of the doubt. Um, and we talked before, we're going to keep this one a lot about LeBron because he's kind of deserved it, I guess, for this one. I want to separate, I guess, because I feel like I can separate the team from LeBron. And I know they're intertwined. Obviously, his play directly correlates with wins and all that. But he's been awesome, man. And Orlando's not a good team. OKC's not a good team. Uh, but the last seven games, uh, Spectrum posted it. 30 points, uh, almost eight assists on 51% shooting. Tonight, again, I think he hit the triple-double, 30, 10, and 10 or something. Three blocks. This is the best to me he's looked since he got hurt last February. I think when Solomon Hill fell into his high ankle sprain, and I think someone was telling you that he was in the MVP conversation during that time and the leader in the MVP conversation. But just his body looks great. He looks like the most energy energized guy on the floor, even though he's the oldest guy on the floor. His body looks good. He's running. like He's getting blocks. He's getting lift on his jumper as well. He just looks great. And again, I want to separate him from the team because the team is, you know, two games over 500. It hasn't been great. But LeBron <laughs> to me looks, LeBron looks like he's ready. He looks like a guy that can continue to be the best player um, in any series against any team. And that was the most important thing for us to look at. And the spacing still isn't great. We still put him in rough spots, but it just looks like he doesn't care about that stuff. And, and we'll get into it more, I guess, from this game, but I want to stick on that because I think he's been awesome. Uh, last eight games it's gonna average to around 38 and 8 or something like that and that's just incredible for a guy who's 37 like his age needs to be put into that because that's unprecedented stuff that's just stuff that we have not seen it's stuff that we shouldn't take for granted um and even though lebron's you know this is what you're for or whatever it is uh with the lakers but just stuff that we shouldn't take for granted and this is the best he's looked even his whole tenure here his body his jumper is everything is going well um, and I think that's awesome to see. And obviously when AD and Russ kind of hit their stride, that's when this team will hit its ceiling. But we've got the first part of that, right? Like LeBron being LeBron is the total key to the house. Obviously, you don't have the key to the house. You're not going to be able to get in. So like that's that's step one. And I think he's looked great. Yeah. You know, there's this there's it all comes from a specific section of basketball fans. And we all know who they are and I don't need to describe them. But there's always been this sick obsession with trying to get out in front of LeBron's decline to try to be the guy that like, is like, Oh, here it is guys. It's here. The decline's here. Everyone look, 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 LeBron's bad now. And, and it's, it's so funny because for literally a half decade, everyone's been trying to jump out in front of that train. And it's like, guys, like it's gonna eventually happen. He's 37. He's played a million minutes. You don't have to be the guy who's wrong all the time. He will eventually decline. If your desire is to see LeBron not be good at basketball anymore, you don't have to hold your breath that long. It's going to eventually happen, but you keep making yourself look foolish by trying to jump out in front of that train. And here's the thing. If you're being honest with what you're seeing and you understand the way that LeBron plays, he plays, there is a lot of physical flash, but he plays with his brain. That is, has always been his best asset on the basketball court. When you look in that fourth quarter, Orlando's just throwing crazy double teams and strong side, like, like box coverages at him nonstop. And he's just picking them apart. Like he would have loved to go out and put up 40 in that game, but he didn't need to. He only scored, I think five, mm -hmm. five in the fourth quarter because Orlando was just sending all kinds of bodies at him. His, the way he plays the game at his size and strength with his basketball IQ and with his newfound, I say newfound, it's been around for roughly seven, eight years now, but with his ability to shoot the basketball, he was always going to be at least a top 10 player well into his late thirties. So to me, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just crazy that people keep, are, it's like they're, it's like, it's like they have no worry about whether or not they'll be proven wrong. They just want, they're just addicted to like that rush that they get from like seeing him have a couple of bad games and trying to jump out in front of it. It's silly to me. I mean, come on, man. Like just, 
how are you not just sitting back and enjoying this? Like I could, watching him tonight, get those three crazy chase down blocks. All I could think is like, it's insane that he's that, that we're still watching this and it's about to be the year 2022. And I, I just, I wish all I like those people, that's a miserable crowd of people over there. So I don't envy them in any, in any sense, but I mean, all I know is from my perspective, I'm just trying to enjoy it while I can. Yeah, I don't really want to give that any um, attention. Uh, but were you able to hear the the Spectrum broadcast tonight? I don't, I'm not sure if you got to hear, but Stu Lance yes, kept saying, uh, "Okay, so Stu Lance was saying this is vintage LeBron," and I was thinking, like, well, I mean, I'm not sure that ever ended. You know, like it's been vintage LeBron uh, for a long time. But moving, I guess, onto the game, he picked the team spirit up tonight, right? Like that's what I caught from tonight and to me it's really not fair that he's the one that has to do that I guess um but this team looked super lethargic early on it looked very uninterested very disengaged uh high turnover prone just lack of engagement I thought he tried to keep everyone's spirits up which just crazy to see again in a guy in year uh year 19 37 years old but did you see that as well because I thought that was a big point of this game and I thought this turned around the whole night uh he picked everyone up he was flexing after and ones right kind of extending it I'm um, just trying to give everyone spirits up. And I thought that's what turned the game, I guess, in the third quarter. You saw the defense go up as well. Um, but, yeah, he just looked awesome. He destroyed Orlando uh, in that third quarter. I believe we were down five. He had two threes to start that quarter. And I uh, just got on, got them on a 23-0 run, 23-0 run and put the game away. Again, Orlando came back and made a run. But he brought the spirit up of the team. And that doesn't have to be his job every night. But that he could, you, you could see that he could tell that that was his job tonight was to pick the team spirit up and i and i thought he did that and his him being able to recognize that and recognize what the team needs every night i think it's special and you're starting to see him round into form and he's talked about it after the games like he's starting to get healthier and you're seeing that jump off the page to me he looks like you know in conversation for best player in the league and that's all that's all you can really ask uh, of him and and he's look he looked great at that but do you agree with that do you agree he picked i guess the team spirit up tonight because i thought i thought that kind of turned i guess this night around well, it's funny. You said that this is his job for tonight for the team. That's been his job for the entire season. He just was, he wasn't doing it to start the season. Like when you put this roster together, yeah, of course it looks silly. If LeBron looks like the seventh best player in the world and AD looks like the 15th best player in the world. Of course, then you're asking Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook and all these guys who are far more limited to do a lot more to fill in those gaps. This only ever made sense. This roster construction only ever made sense with LeBron and AD being LeBron and AD, the same guys that won the title. Okay. And, you know, again, I was super critical of LeBron. I had a lot of guys who were, who were, who were on my case about it during that stretch, but like, it's, it's, it's not really all that complicated to me. You cannot possibly tell me that this guy from an energy standpoint that we've seen the last two weeks is the same guy from the beginning of the season. It absolutely was not. For stretches, yes. We saw it a little bit against Houston, a little bit against Cleveland. He was good in that Golden State game. He had his moments. I'm not I'm not pretending like he didn't have his moments, but it just wasn't the same guy from an engagement level, from a care level, from an effort level that we've seen since that uh, that triple overtime catastrophe against Sacramento. They, he absolutely has turned it up. But th- that is absolutely what he needs because, you know, someone said on Twitter, they go, uh, the people have been saying like, oh, it's, it's ridiculous that LeBron has to hit the gas to beat a team like Orlando on a random Sunday night. And, I, and the way I, the way I look at it is like, no, no, no. Like there will be a point this season, you know, hopefully where 
everybody kind of is in the right role. LeBron and AD are in a groove and everyone else gets going. And then LeBron and AD will have some more margin for error to have off nights here and there. But the team just isn't rolling like that right now. They don't have good enough defensive habits. I talked a little bit about this in the podcast yesterday. We're not boxing out at all. We're not contesting shots. We are literally dead last in the league in contested shots per uh, per game. And we're dead last in the league in uh, uh, in box out per, uh, defensive box out percentage. We're just not doing those things well. When all of those things get tightened up, when this team becomes a basketball team that has good habits, that plays the game the right way, that develops that championship basketball character that I've been harping on all season. When they get that nailed down, then LeBron and AD and Russ will have the flexibility and the margin of error to have off nights. That's just not the way the team is right now. He has to be like this now, but in theory, the way this roster was constructed, if they all have good habits and they all do their jobs in the dirty work parts of the game, there is enough offensive creation here. There's enough shooting here. You have this, like elite other perimeter option in, in Russell Westbrook, in theory, it will all kind of come together and make more sense at that point. But yeah, like at this point when the team still sucks at all those things, LeBron's got to be the guy who is the energy boost. He's got to be the guy that gets everyone going, that builds the momentum that carries them until they get to that point. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And we're starting to see it right. Last eight games, 30, 10 and 10. And I think a lot of people have been trying to, and I've seen just how the conversation's been around this team, and, and we talk about it after every game, trying to just have a one one fix, right? Like, just press one button, and it fixes the team, right? And it was DeAndre Jordan not starting. It was put AD at the five. It was start our shooters. I think those are all, you know, little solutions, but there's a good team in here, right? And I think... Of course. It, so, and the way they're going to find it is through trial and error. And the trial has probably taken longer than it should have, Right. Like the error was found like 10 games ago, uh, but we're still doing the same trials. But like the, to find the to find the good team in here, it's going to take trial and error. And you can't even get to that trial without having LeBron being himself, without AD being himself. Right. Like to me, you can't even get to that trial and error part until LeBron and AD are themselves. And AD has put up the numbers that still when we watch the film, sometimes it feels like it's not matching and, and we still have issues on engagement. But the numbers are there. The point, you know, is leading in points of the paint. But now that LeBron's kind of picked it up, you see him start to roll. And again, OKC and Orlando aren't great teams, but they did have a good win over Boston. The loss in Memphis stings. Um, and just putting this more into the team perspective, I believe we're now like sixth in defense in the last six games. And I think that's going to even go up after this. Or, sorry, last seven games. We're sixth in defense, 12th in offense. The numbers are starting to even out to match the roster. Um, and again, these are silver linings that you're trying to find on a team that's two games over 500. But it's also a team that's missed LeBron for a lot of these games. And even when he played earlier in the year, he wasn't this LeBron. So I guess those are like kind of the silver lines you can see. But LeBron being himself is such a breath of fresh air to see these last eight games or whatever it is. It seems like he's ramping up. He's picking it up. His energy is awesome. He looks like the young guy on the floor. Um, and it's just been great to see, man. And it's been fun to have at least two two wins that to talk after a win uh, for once. It's been like it's been bad loss after bad loss. But, but yeah, it's great to see them. And the team is moving in a positive direction, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if the engagement looks bad, even if they look disengaged for quarters on end. Um, hopefully these are kind of uh, stepping stones to a good team. But, yeah, I think there's a good team in here, man. It's just it's going to take a lot of trial and error to figure it out, and the trial is going to take longer than we probably want it to. Uh, but I think that's the way we find the good team in here, and I think we're getting to that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. One last note on LeBron before we move on to the team. Um, you know, mm -hmm. obviously, with the way that the top of the field looks right now, 
LeBron would have to rip off another month where he's just incredible. And the Lakers would have to win a whole lot of games in order for him to kind of enter into the MVP conversation. Mm -hmm. But that said, for him to even be playing that level of basketball absolutely changes the calculations for the, for the rest of the season, because that's been one of the biggest question marks, you know, around this whole era, how long can LeBron play at an MVP level? That is by definition, the, the, the window, you know what I mean? And so for him, for him to be looking like this and also trending in the right direction, not, Oh, he has dead legs on Tuesday night and he has dead legs every night. And you can just tell, Oh, this is what he is now. No, he is progressing in the right direction. Athletically. You could tell as his conditioning gets better. And as he gets his legs underneath him, he's looking better and better. His touch is matching up. Then there, then there will be this continuity piece where all the guys playing together for a long time. Cause with this stretch of basketball, the Lakers have still had crazy turnover. I mean, Anthony Davis has missed two games, right? So, uh, you know, the, the, the way I, the way I look at it, this has a lot of room to go up from here. Now moving on to the team. And I talked a little bit about this on the, on, on today's spot earlier today, but, uh, we, we have some things that we do really well. And uh, we push the ball in transition and we avoid half court sets. I actually thought that was one of the biggest problems in the first half tonight against the magic. The magic were playing a two big lineup, uh, a really, really big shot blocking two big lineup. And the Lakers weren't doing a good job of pushing the ball in transition, something they've done super well all season. They weren't doing tonight. So they kept getting caught in these half court sets against the magic. And when you have that much size and guys like Russ and THT and LeBron, who are, are, are guys who prefer to be downhill you know, try to get to the rim guys. Like it's, it's inherently going to lead to some janky looking basketball. And I thought, you know, pushing in transition is the inevitable way to get out of that. How do we know? Cause that's what teams did to us for all season when we were starting with DJ and, and Anthony Davis in the starting lineup and, and, and prioritizing these big lumbering lineups, teams would run us off the floor. And it was only a matter of time before we started to do that to the magic and start to have some success. And we did in, in the second half. Uh, obviously need to dig into the tape to kind of uh, get a better feel for that. But it, you could tell that that is, is one of our strengths. And so when we, th- that's what kills us at the end of these games. Like I'm not too concerned about what happened at the end of the game tonight. That's classic older guys. Letting yeah, me the but we kept getting caught walking the ball up the floor and attacking their set defense. And then when we would miss a shot, they would run it right down our throat and attack in a semi transition and get all the way to the rim and draw a foul or make a layup. Right. And and so our team is at our best. Our comfort zone is defending with energy, but pushing the ball in transition, staying out of the half court is what allows us to be at our best. As I posted the other night, before tonight's game, we were sixth in the league in field goal percentage. That's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. So like for, th- for us to be 23rd or whatever we were in offense, but sixth in field goal percentage, that basically tells us when we value the possession, we don't turn the ball over and we get it and we stay out of those slow methodical half court possessions, we are getting great shots and, and we have good process. So what, what makes me happy is they're or more optimistic. I should say is that there, there is kind of like an identity forming with this team an identity that didn't exist early on. And when we start to tighten up those little things that I was talking about, like finishing possessions on defense by getting good box outs and guys crashing from all over the floor, and then offensively just taking care of the basketball, getting to the point where, that 60% field goal percentage becomes what we rely or that's, excuse me, that sixth in the league in field goal percentage that we're relying on when we on offense that we're getting to that more and not hemorrhaging possessions and doing things, stupid things to shoot us in the foot. When you clear all that, you know, stuff up, 
you can see that there's a, a definitive pathway to being a contender here. And so uh, th- that to me is, is exciting. And obviously step one is a seven game stretch like this where four of the teams are bad and two of the good teams you played are also pretty bad. And yeah, you go five and two and yeah, there's some disappointing stretches in there, but you're defend you're, you're definitively heading in the right direction. And the next step is like, Hey, go to Dallas on Wednesday and kick their ass. That's, that's, that's the next step. They have, they have a little foundation here. They just need to continue to build on it. Yeah, for sure. And they have a chance here to run off some wins. I mean, Dallas, uh, I believe Luca's going to be out for a little while. Um, then they play Minnesota who's been on a bad stretch. I think they lost like five games in a is row Luca out again. I yeah. thought he came back. No, he hurt his ankle again. So he's going to be out again, uh, uh, I believe. Yeah. So you play the Mavs without Luca. You go to the go. You go play in Minnesota, where they beat us at home by like thirty. Um, so I'm sure they would want to get some revenge on that. And then also Minnesota's not been playing well. And then Chicago, who I think has like eight of their guy or nine guys out um, due to COVID protocols. Um, then you play Phoenix, who I think is still out. I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker are still out or something. But Chris you have a Paul chance played to- the other night. Yeah. So oh, he did. Oh, but yeah, okay. but Booker's out though. Okay. Yeah. So you have a chance here to run off some wins. Um. But. To me, like the team is playing themselves a lot of the times, right? Like when, especially when you play bad teams, I feel like you're kind of playing yourself. And against Memphis, I thought we beat ourselves and turnovers is such a big part of this team where if we can just stop the other team from running, because I think our half court defense has been better. And in the fourth quarter, to me, a lot of this was we went small. We went LeBron at the five. And to do that, your guards have to be so engaged. And you can tell Russell Westbrook had did not want to be tagging, you know, in the fourth quarter up 20 on guys rolling to the rim. Oh, yeah, he was just, way late yeah, on those rookies. Yeah, so it was basically just pick and roll and Wendell Carter dunk or uh, Wagner dunk or Wagner open three. So the engagement little drop. That's why I'm not really worried about that fourth quarter. I saw enough in the third. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the team, like the identity switch, I think Austin Reeves is a big part of that. We're seeing Malik Monk get more minutes. Wayne Ellington, we ran a floppy action for him. I don't know. Did you see that tonight? We ran uh, one floppy action set for him. He got a curl three. I thought that was amazing. Like we're starting to at least see the identity of this team and the starting lineup still isn't great. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, even though I thought THT was awesome tonight. Uh, I think he hit like three threes um, and his defense was, was great. He had five steals, I believe. Uh, but yeah, the team is starting around and Avery Bradley's never going to, you know, hit threes at a consistent rate, but he plays hard. That starting lineup again, the spacing is going to be janky, but we're seeing identity shift. And I thought it was great. We closed tonight with LeBron at the five. Orlando went on a run. He pulled out, he took out Dwight Howard. We went LeBron at the five with Russ and uh, Russ was able to attack the rim and kind of close the game. And I think that's a little bit of, and you're seeing pieces and pieces here where like you can fit AD into that, right? You can have AD at the five and I believe they closed with Monk and, uh, and Bradley, I believe, or, or it was a THT and Bradley. I don't remember who it was, Uh, but yeah, they closed the game and and we're seeing pieces of the team kind of form here. And and we got a little bit of news uh, about Ariza, I guess, in, in that video, but we're seeing the identity shift here a little bit uh, piece by piece uh, in these games. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Um, let's, let's talk about THC for a second. Cause I thought, mm-hmm. I thought he had one of his better games as of late. Um, you know, you and I talked a lot about how he was getting kind of doing young guys, stupid young guy stuff offensively, like just, you know, forcing the action to, uh, just whenever he catch the ball and there wouldn't be a defender around him, he would just assume it's a time to shoot instead of a time to make a read and being overly aggressive on defense and committing silly fouls. You know, tonight, one of the things we were harping on with him is like kind of take away some of the decision making responsibility in terms of him, like actually running actions and try to get him with an advantage. So they did a lot of really good stuff, like trying to get him to attack off of curls off of like where he would just come out of the weak side corner and 
curl around a guy and try to hit him when he's got the defender already on his back so that he can, you know, kind of use his body to get uh, position and then just stick, you know, stick his arms out like he always does to, to finish those layups and uh, a lot of attacking closeouts and, you know, just primarily attacking an already compromised defense. You could tell tonight in particular, that's, that's where THT actually has potential to be a really good offensive player already. Obviously we could talk about his ceiling and there's kind of a divide among Laker fans you know, about, you know, whether or not he's going to be an all-star or whatever you want to say, or what other teams might think about him in terms of a trade piece. But right now for this team, they just need him to do what he did tonight. Be able to curl off the screen when LeBron needs rest. So he can just dribble out at 25 feet, give you an advantage, hit you in stride and have you make a play. You know, when the double teams come, when the, 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 the defense is loading up on one side to swing it around to you and have you beat a guy on a closeout and, and make a play. He also made a lot of uh, really nice passes today. He had that one in the second half run where I thought for sure he was going to shoot. And then he ended up, uh, LeBron was cutting at the same time too. And he kicked it out to Avery Bradley in the corner. I think it was a three that put him up by 25, but just, just in general tonight, uh, THT succeeded by playing a role instead of being an initiator. He was a guy who was finishing plays and, and it worked really well. And that's, that's what you need when you're, especially when you're looking down the line and you're going to have Russ LeBron and AD in a playoff series playing 40 minutes a piece, you need him to succeed in a limited role. And uh, instead of trying to be the guy already, if that makes sense. But I was really, really happy with what I saw from THT tonight. Yeah. His, his jumper went, which I think, you know, changes a lot of stuff for him and he, he was taking it confidently. And I've always said, I think he's a better catch and shoot, you know, guy than he even thinks he is. Uh, he doesn't have to drive on every play. And those curls, you're right. Those are stuff that those are set plays for him where uh, he comes off the curl and he it gets him going downhill and he has all these wild finishes at the rim. And he still does a lot of this where he thinks he gets fouled. So he just throws it up and he got to the rim a little bit tonight. But he's out there to me defense for defense. And I thought again today we talk about it a lot. THT is a havoc defender, right? He's a chaos creator. Um, he's not much in the, he does, he's not great yet at like going around screens. He still gets killed, uh, when he's trying to chase guys, but in isolation, he's a problem. His length is a problem. He had a bunch of deflections tonight. Uh, again, like I said, five steals. And I feel like he deflected way more, way more balls than that, uh, changed a bunch of shots. Um, he was, he was good tonight. And this is kind of the peak. If we can get this level of THT, I don't think the jumper is going to go like this. Uh, just controlled shot selection, I guess. Um, got to the rim, got to rim, got to the rim a ton. This is kind of what we need, and Orlando's not a good team. They don't have great uh, shot blocking, I guess, at the rim. Uh, but I feel like he's going to stay in the starting lineup, don't you? Like, I don't feel like that starting lineup. Yeah, he's he's playing well times. enough to stay there, mm. for sure. Yeah, so I feel like he's going to stay in the starting lineup, unless maybe Reeves, you know, takes over at some point. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, THG's going to stay there for now, at least until we get uh, Ariza back uh, whenever he comes back. Yeah, Austin looks great, too. And, and you know... This is something Vinay was talking about in the mm-hmm. in the pod when he was filling in for me the other night, and I thought he hit the nail on the head. Like Reeves is a connective tissue guy. What you know, there's with basketball. We talked about this with the starting lineup. You have a list of responsibilities that need to get filled on the floor, right? Like I need guys who can create from the perimeter, either getting into the lane through dribble penetration, or like a Chris Paul type, and more of a guy who's like really good at at getting uh, teams into sets, right? But then you also need guys who can finish plays, both at the rim as, you know, vertical spacers or as guys who can roll hard to the rim and pick and roll or guys who can pick and pop or guys who can attack closeouts or spot up shoot things along those lines. You have a bunch of roles you have to fill. So when you have LeBron and AD and Russ on your team, those guys do so much to cover those responsibilities. There's kind of a diminishing return 
with the guys who play around them, right? You know, we talked about this a lot in previous seasons. Like, yeah, is, is Wesley Matthews a fantastic shooter? No, but if he's wide open, how much different is the, is the you know, expected result compared to if you have a, a, a better shooter in that spot with everything else that Wayne Ellington is bringing to the, to the floor? Whereas if you don't have LeBron and Russ, then yeah, maybe you need a Tyler Harrow who can do crazy stuff off the dribble to generate shots for himself. There's a, the diminishing return isn't there with that because you actually need that ability from him. Guys like Austin Reeves, they're not great at anything. But because they're pretty good at everything and they're, you know, one of the things that with Austin Reeves you see is like there was a play today where he caught wide open in the in the weak side corner and had a shot and pump faked it and swung it to Avery Bradley, who was every bit as guarded as, as Austin Reeves was. And mm-hmm. he missed it. And you're like, ah, you're like, you'd like to see Austin take that shot. But that's Austin's character. Austin's basketball character is like, I'm going to err on the side of not shooting this. I'm going to err on the side of making the extra pass, you know, even with those rotations, like there's so many plays where the Lakers will concede a basket because they're like, okay, we just didn't get it done on this possession. This guy's rolling to the rim. He's going to get a dunk. Who cares? We'll get it back on the next possession. No, Austin's like every single time I'm putting my face, I'm putting my body on the line. (laughs) Like I'm I'm getting in there. I'm going to try to take a charge. I'm going to try to disrupt the play. He he got hit in the gut again today, like elbowed and it looked like he got the wind knocked out of him on another play like that. Austin Reeves, he is a, like Vinay said, he is a connective tissue player. When you play him alongside very good players, he actually brings more to the table than more talented players than him do. And you, you, you have to have guys like that in your rotation. They're such a hallmark of, you know, NBA champion level teams. Like great example of this is Gary Payton Jr. with the Golden State Warriors. If you play Gary Payton Jr. on the Orlando Magic, he's not going to look like a good basketball player. Because he's not going to be able to generate advantages for himself. And there's nobody else on the team that can generate advantages for him. But within Golden State, he's constantly playing with an advantage. And so in that environment, he can his connective tissue is it brings immense value to the team. And so it, I, I love that dynamic. It's, it's always been one of my favorite things about the game of basketball. It's like when I go play pickup. I'm not always just trying to run with the most talented guys. I want guys on the floor that mesh well with what I do. And I have a much better chance of winning a lot when I have that than just let me roll with all the most talented guys. You know what I mean? And so that, mm-hmm. that to me is Austin Reeves basketball player in a nutshell. And I, 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 I'm glad to see that he's starting to get an opportunity again. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make this, you know, you can make this THT versus Austin Reeves, but Austin, (laughs) you know, Austin has no, I spoke about this again, last part with Renee, but Austin has no, like, he knows exactly who he is right in the league and he knows what's going to keep him in the league. And I think that's the difference to me between him and Taylor where Taylor still, you know, when Taylor starts to get going, he'll like get the ball and like stop the whole play and be like, okay, it's my time, you know, give me a high ball screen. Like this is, I'm going to run the show for here. And the starting lineup doesn't, ask for that like it just doesn't it's great exactly. it's nice to have another ball handler that can create but it really asks for guys who you always talk about do the dirty work and austin you know is always like rubbing his face off because he just got elbowed or you know like <laughs> grabbing his ribs because he just got hit he just got an elbow to the rib but he he just goes in and does the dirty work you don't have to ask him to do it it's all natural for him and then on the offensive end you're right he's a you know he's a glue guy he makes the right play every time he had a play tonight where the ball swung around. It got to him. I think Carmelo was in the corner. Carmelo swung it to him. He he got it. He was a little bit open, but the guy ran out him, ran out to him. He faked it. 
one dribble right back to Carmelo for an open three. And I was like, man, that's just that's just stuff that you can't like teach. Like that's just stuff that he has instinctually. Like he just understands basketball and he understands how spacing and flow and where guys get open looks at. So he's awesome. And and last thing I guess on Reeves is him and LeBron, and again, I don't want to get too much into their chemistry, but he rolls into open space into a where that fits so great with LeBron, right? Like their mm-hmm. two-man game is just beautiful. And, and Austin Reeves' only real, you know, his detriment right now is his physicality, is his body, you know, is his physical traits. But, like, he'll screen and he'll roll and he can, he'll short roll or he'll roll all the way to the rim or get to any kind of open space that makes sense. So it, it's fun watching him play. I think his minutes are going to continue to go up. Um, I I believe that he wasn't healthy, I guess, while he was collecting DMPs and stuff like that. But he's a big part of this team, man. He's part of the identity as well, uh, the shift in going small. And, and last thing, Vogel, I guess, had a quote today where he said um, LeBron's 30-point games are a function of, of better spacing, right, and better lineups. And, and obviously you can say that was obvious, but it's just good to hear. You know, Thanks, Frank. I'm, <laughs> thanks, Frank. I'm glad, I'm glad you finally understand. <laughs> well, again, but again, like it's great to kind of hear that, I guess. And, and I think Austin's a big part of that um it's hard to find two-way guys you know like they pay a lot of money for that they pay a lot of money for two-way guys and i believe we have one on a rookie deal so um yeah i think i think austin's been great and it's cool to see him kind of find his niche with the team too yeah andre godala did a podcast a while back um and they were asking him about steph curry potentially breaking the three-point record and they basically were like you know like what's your most memorable steph three you know like typical interview questions Uh and and andre godala went on like a uh, a diatribe basically saying like, I don't remember many of steps threes. And he was like, because, because he's like, when I'm out there, he's, he's constantly just doing these little things to help the team win. And he's like, half the time, he's like, I would just hear the crowd go crazy. And I just run back on defense because <laughs> he just, he, well, he like, he was maybe mm-hmm. setting an off ball screen or maybe he was the one screening for Steph or he's fighting for rebound position or whatever it is, you know, like he's just so wrapped up in the job that he's almost not even paying attention to what's happening, you know, with Steph running around or doing whatever he's doing. That's kind of like what you see with Austin Reeves. Like there are a lot of plays where, where, where the older veterans on the Lakers are kind of guessing at what the outcome is and trying to get ahead of their next job, you know, like leaking out after a three or doing the same thing, uh, like giving up a, instead of fighting for a defensive rebound, like leaking out in transition, Austin Reeves is just always in the mix. Like he's just always mm-hmm. just fighting it in it. And he'll, I see that happen all the time with him where the ball will go through the net and it'll like Austin will be the last guy who realizes it and he'll start running back, you know, but uh, yeah, he's definitely a, a really good, uh, a really good glue guy for this team. And uh, it, it makes you feel, obviously he's not Alex Caruso. We're not going to talk about Alex Caruso again, but, <laughs> uh, but him, him developing as quickly as he did into a guy that can help this team win is undoubtedly takes a little bit of that pain away. You know what I mean? And, and especially since he's a little bit better offensively, you could even make the case that he fits well with this team's identity. Um, obviously he doesn't shoot the lights out or get to the, but he's just, he's a little bit more sound as an off ball player than, than Alex was. Um, so he, so he fits well with this team and, and I'm happy with him. So we were going to, we were going to move on to a little bit of stuff that we saw in that, um, spectrum. It was in their post game show after the last game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically they had the behind the scenes in the, 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 um, coaches meeting when they were kind of coming up with their strategy or whatever. Come, It looked like they were talking about rotation in particular. Yeah. And so a couple of interesting things, they talked about Anthony Davis and fatigue, which is something I definitely want to hit on here in a minute. 
but one of the interesting parts that I saw there was uh, Frank was basically talking about the starting lineup and he was talking about how like guys like Monk and Ellington are guys that he favors as offensive players. And then THT, Avery Bradley and Austin Reeves were defensive players. And then he basically was saying, I don't know that we can even play four of these guys alongside LeBron, Russ, and AD, but they're going to try to play four in the meantime, but he's always trying to weigh those two against each other, which I thought was interesting, strictly from the standpoint of like, we all think of THT as like a second side creator, a guy who runs actions, but mm-hmm. obviously Frank views him more as a defensive piece, which I think is is definitely interesting. And I think you're seeing him kind of trend in that direction in the way they're using him. Yeah. Um, but, but that, I thought that was an interesting to, uh, question to ask. I personally would lean into as, even as good as Avery Bradley's played and he's played very, very well. I would lean into what, like Munker Ellington, one of them lean into them big because you need that shooting. Um, but I would prioritize, I would kind of go away from Avery Bradley out of that five, if that makes sense. But where are you at with that kind of decision? Yeah, so it's interesting. The the quote that kind of got blown up was Vogel saying, we have enough wings, right? And people were like, how could you say we have enough wings? <laughs> you know, like, we're super short on wings. But I think what he's thinking about is like, yeah, we have THD, and then he has Ken Bazemore he could go to, even though Ken Bazemore's not playing, uh, right? And then when Trevor Reza gets back. And I think that's kind of what he means by the, we have enough wings um, in that situation. But I've been, you know, I've been asking for Ellington to start for a little while now. And Ellington was honestly the odd man out tonight. Um, I don't, I think he only played like 10 minutes or something like that because they yep. had Avery Bradley, um, Lake Monk uh, going off. Um, but yeah, but that's who I, I guess, like to start in that role. I feel like THC is going to stay there because like you said, for defensive purposes. Um, but Avery Bradley's been playing well too, right? Like again, Avery Bradley, you can separate the team, I guess, from Bradley as well. Cause Bradley's been playing well. He just, it's not his fault. He doesn't fit that lineup. Like I can't be mad at him that he's not a dead eye three point shooter. That's not who he is. And we knew that going in, I can't be mad at him for starting. So, but I would like Ellington to start. I think that would open things up just a bit. Um, just for the starting lineup, it's still just so ugly, uh, especially for Russ, uh, and for LeBron. So that's, who I'd like to start, but I understand Ellington has defensive issues and Vogel is a guy that's going to uh, maximize that. He's going to go on the defensive end. And I think we're just going to continue to see THT and Bradley to start, but it was fascinating to get a behind the scenes kind of look uh, into the coaches and how they kind of uh, make decisions like that. Cause I just, I think it's interesting and it's not an easy decision. I think these are all really tough things that you have to weigh back and forth. And I think the AD conversation was fascinating as well. When he said uh, AD's tired after playing the full, full first quarter, but we don't have another center because you'd have to put Dwight Howard in and he doesn't like to play Dwight until the second quarter. So it's a fascinating kind of back and forth. But what'd you think of that? What'd you think of um, AD, I guess, uh, through Phil Handy um, showing his concern, I guess, for being fatigued after the full first quarter, full first quarter, which, you know, that's, that's, that's fair. Like that's not every player plays the whole first quarter. Most don't, right. Giannis plays in like six minute stints, like superstars all around the league don't play the full first quarter. But what'd you think of that? I guess that, that part of the video. I was genuinely confused by it. Uh, not, not the fact that AD was tired. That makes perfect sense to me. And I agree. Like, don't play a guy 12 minute shifts when he struggles with his motor. <laughs> like that's, that's not a, that's completely nonsensical. Now he, his thing was like, I don't want to go to Dwight to end the quarter. And I don't understand that because to me, it should be a, a, a basic staggering concept, right? Cause like I'm looking at LeBron running the second unit to start the second quarter, right? And Dwight's probably going to be with him in that group. But that Dwight shift is split up by a quarter timeout, which is usually like three and a half minutes. So 
why can't Dwight play the last three minutes of the first quarter? You know, Russ is with that lineup. That's when you can lean into Russ and shooting and Dwight, you know. And uh, and then from that standpoint, AD is going to come back sometime. Dwight gets a rest. He comes back, starts the second quarter, and then AD can come in whenever, you know. Like right now he's been coming in around the six-minute mark of the second quarter. But by taking him out at the nine minute in the first, he can come out in the nine minute or come back at the nine minute uh, after nine minutes in the first, he can come back at the nine minute mark in the second quarter. So I didn't understand that when I was listening, it's like, it's a basic staggering. If you're going to play AD nine minutes and then Dwight six minutes and then AD nine minutes, and then, you know, just repeat that in the second half. I don't see why that can't just be the rotation again. Like what you're asking from that position is when AD's on the floor, he does a little spot up work, but for the most part, those are screen and dive guys. You don't have to change the way you play as much when you switch between those two. And so that was confusing to me. And look, AD has struggled with his motor all season. We, you know, I've gotten into arguments with a bunch of people about this and, you know, the way I look at it, you know, he's not really much of a self-starter. He struggles trying to navigate his way through the game in terms of uh, knowing when to be physically aggressive and when to be more passive why not make that decision a little bit easier for him by giving him shorter bursts? That's literally what Russell Westbrook does. Russell Westbrook loves coming in, playing his ass off for six minutes, sitting for three, playing his ass off for six minutes, sitting for three. It doesn't, if that, that might work better than playing for 12 minutes, being awful for half of them because you're, you know, very tired and then sitting on the bench for what amounts to like 25 minutes of real time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I just didn't, I didn't understand that in terms of the concept, like, like to me that they're, they're, he's like, has anybody, Frank goes in the video, he goes, has anybody heard anything in the locker room about AD's long shifts? And, you know, uh, I can't remember who was the assistant. Phil Handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Phil Handy speaks up and goes, yeah, AD always comes up and tells me he's tired uh, to me. It's like end of discussion. Okay, cool. We're shortening his shifts. Like, like what's the, what's the pushback there? Like, I just don't get it. You don't have, it doesn't make any sense to do that. LeBron hasn't even done that since he was a young player. LeBron hasn't played 12 minute shifts literally since he was in, like, since he was, you know, I think 32 or earlier, like he just, like he, it just is a nonsensical way to do it. Unless you're a guy like Giannis or like young LeBron, a guy who, or Draymond Green, like a guy who just has an incredible motor who catches a second wind and can just go up and down the floor all day long. If you're that guy, that's great. But AD's just not that guy. So I would definitely try to get him more in and out of the game quicker um, so that he has an opportunity to spend more of his energy while he's out there. Yeah. And I thought another interesting thing too, was uh, Phil Handy kind of putting the responsibility on AD as well. Right. He's like, he told him uh, if you don't want to play the full, the yeah, full put your hand quarter, up. yeah, Tell put us. your hand up and, and we'll sub for you. And I think part of this, it's not that Vogel, you know, I don't think he doesn't know how to stagger. It's that they rely on AD so much defensively, right? So I'm thinking like mm-hmm. they like him playing that full first. Usually get the you know you get the team's uh, best players in that first quarter, so they play him the full first, and then Dwight and Russ or whoever, and maybe it's I think it's LeBron who starts the second. Um, I think Russ comes back back in late in the first, and then I'm not sure if it's Russ and Braun or something. It starts the second quarter, and they've been going with LeBron at center, um, but it's either Dwight Howard. I think they like that lineup. Uh, but yeah, we'll see if going forward, if that changes a little bit, you could tell AD is tired. Um, and I thought Vinay made a good point as well, that it could be injury prevention as well. Um, you could just see him not, you know, like in that Memphis game, there were a lot of times where they would go at him and he's just kind of stepping back, you know, and just trying to preserve or just not go as we've seen AD be. And there's a lot of factors to that. And there's always human elements to it, but I think it's a fascinating discussion because 
the the for the full first quarter thing that is fatiguing like that's tough for a player to do especially with the load that AD carries on the defensive end and on on the offensive end honestly where he's put in the post and he's you know when especially when he's at the five he's banging with guys or you know his job is to be the screen roll guy but like it's a fascinating discussion because I think it's interesting and we'll see if LeBron at the center lineups can kind of fix that as well maybe they pull AD a little bit quicker so he has energy going forward but I think it's interesting it's fascinating to get a kind of look into that because. Uh, that's not something I think we knew about before before the video. Even though we saw it on film and we kind of had thoughts about it, I think it's interesting to to hear it. I guess from the from the coaching staff. Yeah. So moving beyond the minutes, just to the general idea of fatigue for Anthony Davis, I got into a discussion with the Cranges about this the other day, and I'm I'm going to try to get him on the pod next week because obviously Twitter is just a really terrible place to have these kinds of back and forth discussions and. And he's just a super smart guy, and I'm sure he'll be able to, to give, uh, give us a really good example of his perspective. But he basically was like, his case is like, AD has more on his plate on both ends of the floor than any star in the league was his point. Like, his point. like defensively, he's basically covering for sure. a garbage defensive lineup by flying around all the time trying to, to, to cover for people. And then offensively, obviously, he has way more responsibilities than a you know, a Rudy Gobert or a Clint Capella or the, the other, you know, ground covering mobile defensive centers that we have in the league. And Mm -hmm. he's not, he's not wrong in that regard. I just think, I think that's part of it, but I think, I also think part of it is, is that, uh, that motor, because there's no excuse regardless of what your responsibilities are to have three consecutive off days and then go into the Boston game and, and be really hot garbage for the first 20 something minutes of the game, you know, like, like, and just looking like you're not mentally engaged in the game. When we, when we recorded that pod, that was the big, that was one of the big stories of that game was like LeBron was carrying him early and Anthony Davis came in the second half, you know, and then obviously the Memphis game, same thing. Like again, Memphis was two nights later. So it's not like it was the same rest, but he had played two games total in the previous seven days. So I can't like, like, man, if you're running out of gas, then like, how the hell are you going to get through a playoff run? You know what I mean? So I can't, I can't really make the fatigue excuse for him entirely. I do agree that he has a really difficult job and, and I'm glad Craig just pointed it out because it's, it is absolutely true. However, there's not a guy in the league that's vying for a spot to be considered one of the top tier superstars that doesn't have a lot on his plate. Like, think about how much running Steph Curry has to do every night in order for the Golden State offense to even function. And in addition to that, he's got people vying for him to make an all-defense team, which I don't necessarily agree with, but he is absolutely a a good, positive defensive player. He's doing a lot for them, night in and night out. You know, like, that is what comes with the territory when you're that type of player. Same goes for Giannis. Same goes for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is having an incredible two-way season, and he's being asked to do so much every night because one of his co-stars wouldn't take the vaccine and another one of his co-stars literally uh, showed up to the season like he had been on a 14-day bender at the strip clubs. Like he just like it's he's been asked to do so much night in and night out to keep the team afloat. Like I don't like the idea of being like, guys, we should really just lighten up on AD. He's he's gotta do too much. Like, no, like <laughs> that, that, that then then don't tell me he's one of the top players in the league. You know, like this is what we expect now. Practically he's struggling with the long shifts. So how about we make his job a little bit easier by giving him opportunities to step off the floor and get his breath, 
You know what I mean? That's, mm. That to me is like a more practical solution there. But to me, asking AD to do what we're asking AD to do is foundationally what we did with this team. If, you're, if you are a team that doesn't trade everything away for a super duper star, you've got really high quality role players. You've got lots of guys on mid-sized contracts. All of them are expected to do a lot so that the top players on the team have lighter workloads. But when you trade Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and, and Josh Hart and all these guys to, uh, to a team to bring back Anthony Davis, you are saying, I think this guy can do what a lot more than what these three players can do combined. That's literally what the, 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 the entire concept of this sort of team construction was. It was, always, right. it, was, <laughs> it was always about LeBron and AD are going to have to do a lot. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, that, and so that's where I was pushing back. And, and by the way, Tim's, I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow. We're going to get him on the pod next week, and, and we're going to have a good discussion about this, and I'll try to work it out so that you can be there as well, Raj. But like, my, my point is, is like I, I think it's okay to hold Anthony Davis to that standard in terms of what we expect him. We can talk about the practical stuff like I just said, but I, I think pr- in terms of the principle of the matter, I think it's okay to expect that from him. Yeah, I think there's like a fine line, right? And we're starting to see AD trades pop up on the timeline, which I think is, you know, just absolutely insane. I think that's crazy. Um, it It's tough. It's a, it's a fine line to walk because the numbers all say that he's been contributing at you know the level that he's supposed to he leads the league in you know paint touch he leads the league in dunks and points in the paint and and all that stuff and then you talked about Cranjus. he he posted that ad's running the most as as any player in the league um again his defensive versatility has been all up and down he's switching he has to protect the rim and all that's true but still there's an engagement level that you have to expect and i think the toughest part is that we've seen it we saw it all like to me i saw it all 2019-20 and obviously there's games where he doesn't engage offensively as he should and i i can live with that um i can live with that kind of stuff uh here and there but it's been too it's been too often i guess that i see where there's just full quarters where he just isn't isn't there and this team and this team just can't handle that i guess especially uh, i think russ has pulled his weight but russ is still supposed to be the third guy on this team that's the whole point of this and i feel like it's been a lot of where russ has led a lot of the comebacks at least early on and again, that second half against Boston was great, and we see bits and flashes of it. It just has to be consistent. I think the the putting on mass is a really key point as well. I think that's been something that everyone's kind of pointed out now, and I think that's part of it. He's not getting that same lift as, as he was. He got blocked twice, I believe, in Memphis, and one of them was like by Kyle Anderson. That kind of stuff happens, but it's just there was a lack of lift there that, that you see is kind of impacting him, and we'll see how that goes. But the numbers are still there. He's still a super impactful player. It's just when you have, when you see a guy with the amount of talent that's so tantalizing that AD has, you expect more, right? When you watch him, you just feel like there's a super crazy impactful player there, and we're not seeing the ceiling of it. And I think that's the part that we struggle with because the numbers are all there. Like you can go and look, he's still putting up his 26 and 10 and he can sleepwalk into a lot of that, right? Like that's just how good he is, even with his jumper not falling. Uh, but it's a it's a thin line to walk. We'll see if the minutes kind of come down a little bit. I think that's something that that's a fixable issue. Like you talked about, the jumper isn't really something we can control. It's going to be up and down throughout the whole season. Uh, but I just think like it's a tough thing to walk here. Blaming everything on AD obviously isn't the case. 
he's not the problem, right? But I just need him to contribute more to the solution, right? And I guess that's of the course, that's a great that's, way of putting it. Yeah. That's the way I would like to put it. People are like, "Oh, eighties, you're saying eighties the problem?" No, I'm not saying he's the problem. I just there's a solution here that needs him to be more a part of it, and you know his defense. Th- this team needs him to be all world defensively on most possessions. And it also needs LeBron to be all-world defensively on most possessions, to beat the good teams. That's just how this team is kind of built, at least until we see how 36-year-old Ariza fits into it. But like that's how this team is kind of built, and he's expected to do that. I think it's okay to expect our 28-year-old superstar who just signed the Mega Max hold him to a higher standard. Like I think that's okay without going to an extreme of trading him or calling him soft or you know, like all these extremes that we see, there's a middle lines here that that we can walk. And I think I think that's important to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And guess what? Like you can't you can't be like, oh AD's doing great. It's all the minimum guys that are at fault when right. the reason why we have minimum guys is because we went after LeBron and A D. Like with that team structure comes the accountability and responsibility you know what i mean like you you and even above and beyond that with the rust thing it's like you guys had even a a variation of that where you had some high quality role players like kyle kuzma like alex crusoe like kcp all under team control and you forfeited that to bring in rust you know what i mean and that's that that to me like those guys i just those three guys i can't really go around making excuses for them um, you know, when they, this is kind of like a, a decision they made and they, a predicament that they put themselves in. But I, the, uh, to be clear, that's not something we're trying to be super negative about this positive night. Um, uh, the team is trending in the right direction. I think I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear about that Luka news. That's a bummer. I thought that would have been an interesting challenge uh, going into Dallas on Wednesday. But uh, so that's all we have for tonight. Uh, so quick news. So my grandfather actually passed away a couple days ago. So I am flying to Iowa on Tuesday. So I'm actually going to miss the, uh, the game on Wednesday night. Um, but I'm sure we'll get, uh, uh, Raj is still planning on going that night. So we still have a post game show. And then I'm going to try to get my thoughts out there on, on Thursday during the day sometime as well. Um, but we appreciate you guys' support. This will be on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7am Pacific standard time. And we'll be on our podcast feeds here in the next 20 or 30 minutes or so. Uh, We always appreciate your support and we will see you in a couple days. Thanks everyone.